calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is of gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello and welcome to another episode of our Take 15 series. I'm Rob Gowan, Director of Member Products at CFA Institute, and joining me today is Dr. Robert Haugen, who's CEO of Haugen Custom Financial Systems. In addition to founding his own company, uh, Bob has a distinguished academic career and has written several books on investment theory. We're here today at the CFA Institute Equity Research and Valuation Techniques Conference where uh, Bob has been a presenter, and he's been kind enough to join us to discuss his views on market inefficiency. Bob, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. You know, one of the fascinating outcomes of severe market disruptions is a lot of questioning of conventional market theories, and especially over the last year, people had really started to question efficiency of markets, and uh, of course, you have uh, done a lot of work in that area. And uh, to start things off, it would be great if you could give us just a, you know, a brief synopsis of your stance on market inefficiency? Well, in my opinion, they should have been questioning this a long time ago. It's not a f product of market disruption. This has been there all along, I feel. And what our research shows is that markets are highly inefficient to the extent that uh, everything seems to be upside down. The riskiest stocks um, have the lowest returns. The least risky stocks have the highest returns. A high return stock portfolio looks like this. It has big companies. It has low risk companies, low volatility, low beta. It has profitable companies. Profitability good and getting better. And the, and the stock prices are cheap relative to things like cash flow, book value, and, uh, and other indicators. And they have positive momentum. The profile of a high expected return company is dreamlike. And then as you go to a low expected return portfolio, it has exactly the opposite. It's scary as hell in the sense that uh, these are smaller companies, they're volatile, they're unprofitable, getting worse, they sell at dear prices relative to the indicators I mentioned, and they have negative momentum. Um, and if I were to give you a choice, that one, the low risk, or that one, the high risk, you would uh, unambiguously choose the uh, low risk portfolio, and your intuition would be correct, exactly correct, and more powerful than the theories of finance. Um, the, the tricky thing is that there is no stock that looks dreamlike, but the components are there. You can put these uh, stocks together in a portfolio that looks like the dream. And the same thing with the uh, high-risk portfolio. No stock looks like that. No one would buy it. But the components are there. And you can put it together so it looks like the nightmare. So in your portfolio uh, or in your um, paper, you identify a series of deciles that you break companies into. So how has that top decile, the larger low volatility, uh, good momentum over the past year, how is that done uh, in this really volatile year in the market? Uh, over the last year, our top decile, which we call decile 10, 
that's the high expected return decile, has outperformed the S&P by about 20%. Wow. So just to revert a little bit back to uh, efficient markets or the efficient market hypothesis, everybody says, and I think everybody would agree, that ex ante, um, we don't know whether we're going to outperform the market on a daily basis. But over the course of a business cycle, we would hope that we could put together a portfolio that has attractive fundamentals and good risk-adjusted returns. So, uh, you know, what's that time horizon that breaks down from the uncertainty to feeling a lot more comfortable? Let's talk about decile 10, for example. That's the high expected return decile. Even over the next day, it has a high expected return. It just has a huge standard error. Big possibility of being much higher than that or much lower. So over the next day or the next week, um, yes, it has higher expected return, but you can really uh, have a high error relative to that expectation, up or down. As, you, as your horizon gets longer and longer, let's say we go out one year or two years, give me two years and I'm going to outperform using this model, the expected return factor model. So that's, that's the uh, period where you've got a lot of confidence. And when, uh, when we look at decile 10, um, we talked a little bit earlier about a lack of a sector bias, but do you have any comments about any sector biases, and do those sector biases change over time, or is it a reasonable good cross-section? It's, re- it's reasonably good cross-section. It has the profile that I discussed, but it, doesn't, it isn't biased in, into any one particular sector. Do you find that, that those shift over time, or is, it, or is there a reasonable persistence of balance? We have, uh, in, in our model, we have sector dummy variables. Uh, they're really measures of pure momentum within a sector, and they are predictive. They help the model in predicting the good stocks and the bad stocks. So if an equity investor wants to deploy some capital today, let's just assume for a second that they don't have a particular uh, style box that they have to obey, um, without divulging a lot of the proprietary factors that lead you to create Decile 10, how would you advise uh, someone to go about selecting a portfolio that you feel will be a good outperformer? Well, uh, they can subscribe to our service and we'll send them expected returns, and they can do what I do with my money. Uh, I invest my money in accord with the model. All of the money I have in equities are invested strictly in accord with the model. Uh, What I do is I rank stocks by their expected return from the model. I invest in the 100 stocks that have the highest expected return equally. I I have what I call a tranche. Uh, Maybe I started a tranche in January. That tranche will be rebalanced in three months. So rebalance in April. Then I'll start another tranche in February. Rebalance that uh, three months later. And I've got three or four tranches before I run out of money. (laughs) So uh, if you're better off than I am, maybe you'll have 12 tranches. I don't know. Great. When we talk about market inefficiency versus market efficiency, are there times when markets tend to have more efficient characteristics? Is there, you know, higher correlations means that um, you can't be expected to make good risk-adjusted returns, or is the market just inefficient no matter what the uh, conditions are? I'll answer this question in this way. I think that there are three types of volatility. That is, total volatility can be divided into three components. The first volatility I call event-driven volatility. 
And that's the volatility that would be there if the market were perfectly efficient, responding instantly and accurately to information as it comes in. It would only have event-driven volatility. But that's only a small part of the total story. Another component of volatility I call error-driven volatility. The market overreacts to some information, underreacts to others, and then corrects with respect to both. That adds another component to the volatility story. Uh, my model attempts to take advantage of error-driven volatility. That's what drives the model. That's what, make, what makes it work. Then there's a third component of volatility, and that's the most important one in my opinion. I call it price-driven volatility. The market watches its own behavior and it learns. And it learns about what its risk is. Most price-driven volatility is driven by changes in the market's opinion about what its risk is. You uh, can watch uh, the financial uh, news networks and hear people explain why the market moved up or down on a particular day. Don't believe it. 50 to 60% of the movements in the market in the S&P 500 from day to day are caused by changes in what the market thinks its risk is. And it learns about risk not by looking at what's happening in the real world. It learns about risk by watching itself. That's what uh, basically drove the crash of October the 19th, um, 1987. In the days before that Monday, we had four multiple standard deviation moves by the market. Uh, finally, on the Friday before the crash, it was the biggest dollar change in the history of the market. Some of those moves were up, some, most of those moves were down, but the market was watching itself carefully, and it changed its opinion about what its risk was radically. Uh, the implied standard deviation, what we now call the VIX, went from 20% to 120% in one day. And that's what caused the crash. And that's generally what causes market crashes. This latest one was caused by a real event, what went on in the uh, subprime mortgage market. Uh, but the volatility um, went up to about 80% and stayed there for quite a while. I was particularly concerned because in 1930, it went up and it stayed up. And that, in my opinion, it was... Uh, was what caused the Great Depression. Right. Well, uh, Bobby, really appreciate you sharing your insights and uh, found your paper uh, very interesting. And uh, thank you very much for watching this episode. And uh, for more like it, please visit cfawebcasts.org. Copyright 2009, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.